ladies and gentlemen, I just finished watching uh, season four of Insecure, and while I really admire how amazing they make uh, LA look, bro, the amount of times they say Uber and Lyft, get some public transport in your life. Damn, the world's public enemies, Chuck D, bring the noise. Fifth Podcast Network. I am Charlie Taylor, and this is what's good. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you've all had a good week in the circumstances. Oh man, it's getting worse. <laughs> it's getting worse. So I, I was watching the news last week, right? And um, there was a piece. Um, I was on Channel 4 News, and uh, they were talking about, obviously, you know, how schools can potentially, you know, just you know, do, do their do their thing uh, in classrooms, right, um, in person. And um, how it looked was basically, I think, six kids, six, six youths in one room, right, um, and then the teachers in, like, the next room or whatever, or just in the building in general, doesn't really matter, I guess, what room they're in but they're in another room and um and I was just I was just I was just looking at that going that is just not possible <laughs> there's that is that's just that's just you can't you can't do those numbers like th- think of those numbers so you have so you usually have like what 20 30 kids in a in a, in a classroom give or take I don't know what the average is but you know um in a, let's say just a, let's just stick it to secondary school at the moment because obviously you know primary school and preschool are a bit different but um you know just, just stick it to secondary school for the moment so you have like 20 30 kids right depending on the um depending on the uh, the subject uh and then you're splitting up to six <laughs> so you need five rooms for one class and then that's one and then that's just one class like that's just that's impossible that's impossible and then uh, and then I was talking to my boy at the same time. And I was like describing to him what's going, what was going on, what I'm seeing. I'm just, and he was like, "Damn, how are they gonna? Like, kids won't even experience break time anymore, lunch time." I'm like, "Oh my days, they won't either." No, imagine that. Like, think about like just just think back to when you were at school, right? And the amount of the amount of stuff that happened um, during break and lunch time. Yeah, you know I mean, just just think about that. All the stuff that happens, none of that happens anymore. Man, that is depressing to think about. You know what I mean? That's depressing. Like you know, obviously, obviously in the lessons, even in the lessons themselves, that's obviously diminishing. Because like, if you're gonna have six youths in a classroom, there's not gonna be much memories made there. You know what I mean? Um, to be honest, I think learning would actually be much better in that case since there's only six. But and you know, I think the lesser the number, the better. But um, you know, I haven't, I haven't, even, I haven't got any, um, you know, uh, research on that. I just imagine that six is better than thirty. But you know, that's just me. Um, but yeah, man, no break, no lunch. Can't kick it with the boys. Oh man, <sighs> I'd hate to be you right now, man. I'd hate to be you. Jeez, that is depressing as hell. But let's just hope they don't go to school, cause um, you know. It, it, I saw I saw a tweet today where it was just like um, someone was going like, 
this is this is so funny. Uh, people, te- teachers, and like you know, faculty are having a having a Zoom meeting to discuss how to get kids back in the school. But you're having a Zoom meeting about it. You know, I mean, it's just it's just funny. It, it's just funny. Like you guys having a Zoom meeting about getting youths back in the school in person. It's just it's just funny to me. Like, can you see the problem there? Can you can you see the problem there? Just off the off the bat. Exactly. So uh, you know. Man, I'm I'm glad I'm not in education right now because um, I don't know I don't know what what I'd do in that fashion. If I had you, if I was a teacher, man, I'd just be all of that. It's just all of that is just a shit show, um, along with everything else in the world. But um, anyway, happy days, happy days, positivity, <laughs> all that stuff. Uh, stacked to I've got a stacked to agenda for this uh, for this episode. It's got uh, two life topics: the sport and the music. And um, I'm in, I'm liking all of them. They look pretty clean, to be honest. You know, that's just me picking them. I have great taste, apparently. <laughs> but before we begin, for fantasies before. We begin. Email to IG, Facebook as well, Discord links, everything, including the music, will be in the full show notes. I support everyone that has to, has something to do with this show. And without further ado, let the beat drop, and let's get. In a week where Manchester City will play in the Champions League next season after club's two-year ban from European football was overturned. So, you know, you, you can do whatever the fuck you like now, I guess. Like, the, you, <laughs> I, I love it. The, um, the the Court for Arbitration Sports, CAS, I think that's what they're called. The Sports Court for Arbitration, right? Um, the body that basically put down this hammer. Um they had the same. They had like they were they were sorting out the Casas Semenya World Athletics thing as well, and then they they went with World Athletics on that side, um, if my memory serves me correctly, and now they're going with Manchester City on this side. You can't tell me that there's something there's something in the background of this shit. You you can't tell me, because uh, I think Pep did some like words on like uh, like how. Arsene Wenger like did spent money. Ferguson spent money. It's like yeah, mate. Um, I don't think Wenger spent nine hundred mil. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the numbers are just astronomical when it comes to Man City. Like you know, obviously this is a kind of um, uh, this is kind of a, uh, a a silly argument because every top flight club spends you know millions. Um, but you you can't you. you there's there's a big gap between one the second team and Manchester City. It's it's an absolute it's it's, it's a chasm, right? It's a, it's a canyon of uh, of money. It's it's a bit silly. So um you know it's it's just it's just funny. You can't even see the <laughs> the blind spots that you right in front of him. It's so funny. Uh, as Lewis Hamilton wins the Styrian Grand Prix in Austria and puts his fist up on the podium, he challenges other F1 teams to do more. Um, I was wondering, I, was, I find it fascinating, like how people, like news organisations, were really running with that uh, fist up that Hamilton did during the uh, during the podium and stuff like that. I was like, that's not news to me. Is it news? Is it? Is it, should it actually be news? I think it's just because the symbolism of the fist uh, is is the thing. I guess that's news, but. Honestly, man, like, uh, I don't know if you've realised, but a lot of people have been putting fists up recently, you know what I mean? So I don't really see it as a, um, don't really see it as a problem, or even newsworthy, but 
whatever if it gets the if it gets to stick to stick to sports um uh, uh people that are definitely in f1 you, you have no idea how shit um f1 fans are when it comes to this garbage um yeah just um just to say my word for it uh uk will ban huawei from uk's 5g network and have all existing kits out by 2027 which is kind of a um kind of a kind of a a ways away you'd think it'd be pretty immediate um i think i think when they were talking about that they meant like they're not going to be part of the 5g networks anymore but they're gonna i guess remove the kits slowly but seven years it takes seven years to remove kits uh, I don't think so. I think, I think it takes. I think you could do that in a year if you really wanted to. So I don't really understand that uh, that number of twenty twenty seven. But anyway, and lastly, Banksy returns with uh, lockdown theme pieces on a tube train. Um, we've seen those. They're pretty clean. Pretty clean. Of course, it's Banksy. What do you expect? Shout out to Banksy. Which um, I don't know if I've told any. Uh, if I've told my theory on here before on Wax, but um, I believe there are several Banksies. I think there's a network of them. Like uh, I don't think it's one person. I think it's like there, there, there might be a one person who obviously started it all, but I believe there's a network of them. I think there's like a a consortium of Banksies that act as one kind of thing. That's just me. Alright, so uh, where to begin, where to begin, alright, let's start with life, and let's, let's start with this one, because I just wanted to get this one out as a, just as a general news topic, and um, because there are, there is plenty of things uh, that needs to be um, talked about um, as it pertains to this, right, so, um, so this is an article from the New York Times uh, by Javier C. Hernandez, uh, this is called Harsh Penalties, Vaguely Defined Crimes, Hong Kong security law explained. Um, so, if you haven't kept up recently, and obviously I've I've done a little bit of a little bit of a uh, talk on this, uh, talking this China Hong Kong matter in the past um, uh, in the past year or so in a few episodes, um, maybe in like in a week where just briefly or just um, in particular a couple of articles here and there I, f- I forget. But um, yeah, this is um, this is something that's been going on for obviously a while. And uh, has continued to ramp up, especially as China just um, has just gone, fuck it, let's just do it now. <laughs> let's just do everything now. One fell swoop and just uh, introduce, uh, just engulf, um, engulf Hong Kong as a, as, a, as, a, as a state. It's actually crazy to think about um, in terms of just how hard they're going in on this and seeing where certain countries um, are sitting as it pertains to um all of the, as, as, as it pertains to all of this um it's kind of kind of interesting obviously the UK um considering that they were the um I don't really know what the official word is but um you know they were the country above Hong Kong so to speak you know what I mean obviously it's going to be China now but it used to be Britain um hence why Hong Kong's so Englishized if you've been there and you've, if you've uh, seen uh, what how that how they live um and they're you know they a lot of them speak english um and and, uh, and i guess uh cantonese i think is the other language uh forgive me if i'm uh, wrong on that one uh but yeah so um, they rec- the uk recently allowed i think uh, i think 2 million uh, hong kongers to come through to england uh, to come through to the uk um as as part of this i guess in terms of like saving them in some way but uh, yeah, it's clearly not enough in that fashion, and uh, you know, China just going ham basically. So 
Well, well, that said, just let's, let's just jump right in to explain everything. Uh, the sweeping new national security law that China imposed on Hong Kong aimed at stamping out pressure, opposition uh, to the ruling Communist Party in the former British colony. There you go. Is as devastating as some critics feared. The human rights activists said on Wednesday. Conceived in secrecy and passed on Tuesday, without serious input from Hong Kong authorities, the law sets up a vast security apparatus in this territory and gives Beijing broad powers to crack down on a variety of political crimes, including separatism and collusion. In what, in what initially appeared to be an early test of the law, a man was arrested on Wednesday after he unfurled a Hong Kong flag during demonstrations, and the police said on Twitter that he had been detained for, quote, violating the hashtag... National security law. I find it so weird when, like, political shit has a hashtag. I don't know why, it just makes me cringe. It's just like, what? You can't... That's not... uh, Like, people do hashtags, you know, TV shows and, you know, musicians and nicknames and stuff like that. And, like, really, you know, uh, superficial stuff. Not national security law. It's just... just, It leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Um, It was the, quote, first arrest made since the law has come into force, the police said. Uh, but a closer look at the banner sh- appeared to show words that translated into no to uh, in small letters and Hong Kong independence in bigger type. Uh, it was unclear if the police were aware. The law is likely to usher in a new era for Hong Kong, experts say, in which civil liberties are tightly constrained and loyalty to the party is paramount. Quote, all in all, this is a takeover of Hong Kong, said Jerome A. Cohen, a New York University prof- law professor who specialises in the Chinese legal system. God, imagine being an expert in the Chinese legal system. Fuck, you know, it's like, it must be pretty simple. Obey China or suffer the consequences. I oh, know, it's obviously more than that, but it's just, it's just funny. Uh, the security law, which includes 66 articles and more than 7,000 words, takes direct aim at a spirited anti-government protest that have convulsed Hong Kong over the past year, prescribing harsh penalties for tactics commonly used by demonstrators. As they led a months-long campaign last year to resist what they called Beijing's encroachment, is it encroachment? Yes, encroachment, uh, of Hong, Hong Kong civil liberties, protesters worked to disrupt the city's reputation for efficiency and orderliness. Some groups attacked police stations, vandalised shops and restaurants, and briefly paralysed the airport. Under the new law, damaging government buildings will be considered an act of subversion, punishable by life imprisonment in grave cases. Uh, Sabotaging transport would be deemed a terrorist activity, punishable by life in prison, if it harms other people or causes significant damage to public or private property. The four major offences in the law, separatism, subversion, terrorism and collusion with foreign countries, are ambiguously worded and give the authorities extensive power to target activists, who criticised the party activists say. Quote, This law is to punish a tiny number of criminals who seriously endanger national security. A, ho- a sharp so- sword hanging high over their heads uh, that will serve as a deterrent against external forces meddling in Hong Kong. Qu- uh, uh, Zhang Xiaoming, a deputy director of, central gu- uh, of the Central Chinese Government Office for Hong Kong, said at a news conference in Beijing on Wednesday. Uh, Mr. Zhang said that a separate legal system under the mainland under mainland laws will be would be used for some of the most serious and imminent national security cases, but he did not specify whether this could be done by bring, bringing mainland prosecutors, judges, and prison guards to Hong Kong, or by extraditing prisoners to mainland China. Quote: 
The law is devastating in that it appears to have no bounds, unquote, said Sophie Richardson, the the China director Human Rights Watch. Oh, she must be busy. Fucking hell. (laughs) Fuck. She must be busy. Wow. (laughs) What 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 a business card. Hi, I'm China. I'm China director at Human Rights Watch. Fuck. <laughs> wow, she must be stressed. My gosh, what, what a job that is. That is a. That sounds like the worst job in the world, to be honest. Anyway, <laughs> uh, another quote: Hong Kong activists are accustomed to operating in mostly rights-respecting environment now face a frightening void. Unquote. Hong Kong's residents have long cherished the city's independent judiciary, a legacy of British colonial rule. Has stood in stark contrast to the secretive party-controlled courts in mainland China. Under security law, however, Beijing has given itself a, a wide latitude to interfere in Hong Kong's legal affairs. Uh, insulated from scrutiny by local courts and lawmakers, uh, the legislation will install will install in Hong Kong a formidable network of security forces answering to Beijing. They include the National Security Committee in the Hong Kong government and National Security Office made up of mainland Chinese officers stationed in Hong Kong and handling cases according to mainland Chinese law. Under legislation, the central government in Beijing can interfere in national security cases, especially during crisis or if a case is deemed complex. The law opens the way for defendants in important cases to stand trial before courts in mainland China, where convictions are usually assured and penalties are often harsh. Trials involving state secrets could be closed to the news media and the public. Oh, that's very China. Um, the, law could bring ho- to, the law could bring to Hong Kong many ha- harsh legal practices, uh, commented mainland China, experts said. Broadly, the law uh, says that the rights of suspects and defendants in national security cases should be respected. But apart from a presumption of innocence and the right to defend oneself, it does not offer much clarity on those protections, leaving the danger, leaving open the danger that some of the harsh account, unaccountable practices common on the mainland could spread into Hong Kong. Quote, as a national security suspect, you can be locked up for as long as six months incommunicado, subject to torture, coerced confession, no access to counsel or family or friends, before the police decide whether to process you for a crime, said Mr. Cohen, the law professor, speaking about practices common in mainland China. That reminds me strangely, as uh, it reminds me strangely of um, of uh, Central Park Five, but in terms of, but obviously in that case they were only held for a, for a night, or well over uh, several nights, I think, um, a long time, uh, you know, a long time in you know normal person. Uh, statutes, you know what I mean, like, if you're held, if you're held for a day, you know, that's, uh, I think here in Britain, it's like, you have 24 hours, uh, you know, if they can, they can hold you in custody for 24 hours, that seems logical, right, because it gives them time to, you know, make a case, and if they don't have a case, then you can leave, you know, simple as, right, six months, incommunicado, subject to torture, coerced confession, no access to counsel, family, or friends, are you serious, like, that's just, that's, that's, that's so impossible. Uh, they can just arrest you for anything, make up whatever the fuck they want. Basically, that's that's six months, six months. Like twenty twenty is seven months in. So think about that, right? <laughs> twenty twenty is seven months in, and you can be held for as long as six months. 
That's crazy. That is actually that. That is absolutely crazy. Anyway, I'm continuing on. Uh, where am I? Beijing has repeatedly sought to portray the unrest in Hong Kong as the work of foreign countries, especially in the United States. Uh, this is where the other countries come in, uh, accusing them of taking part in a plot to sow chaos in China and topple the Communist Party. Yes, of course. Yes, that's, that's what everyone wants to do. Uh, Chinese officials have spread unfounded conspiracy theories suggesting that Western countries are funding and directing the activists. Yes, of course. Um, several parts of the security legislation take aim at the perceived role of foreigners in political activism in Hong Kong. The new rules apply even to those who are not residents of Hong Kong, with Article 38 suggesting that foreigners who support independence of Hong Kong or call for imposing sanctions on the Chinese government could be prosecuted upon entering Hong Kong or mainland China. Well, shit. Lucky I ain't going to China anytime soon, eh? Lucky I ain't going to China anytime soon. Fuck, you know. The law also states the national security officials in Hong Kong will take necessary measures to strengthen the management of uh, non-governmental organisations and news outlets in the territory, and the legislation does not offer specifics, of course it doesn't. The legislation seems to be aimed at silencing criticism of the party's policies in Hong Kong among uh, rights activists, journalists, and government officials outside China, experts said, quote, uh, the law's broad extraterritorial scope could well have a chilling effect on overseas NGOs, um, limiting their ability to partner with Hong Kong groups on sensitive issues like human rights and political reform. Yes, sensitive issues. Really sensitive issues like human rights. Yes, very, very sensitive, of course. Yeah, yeah you can't... You have, to, you, have to, you have to, you know, hide that kind of talk, you know what I mean? The human rights talk? Yeah, you've got, you got to keep hush-hush about that kind of talk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, said uh, Thomas E. Kellogg, Executive Director of the Centre for Asian Law at Georgetown University. Uh, Mr Kellogg said that more restrictions on non-governmental groups working on issues like human rights, the rule of law and democratic uh, development in Hong Kong were likely to emerge in the coming months. The provisions targeting foreigners will most likely worsen tensions between China and the US with relations already at their lowest point in decades, the Trump administration, yada, 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 you know how shit the uh, US has been, and we know how shit uh, China has been, so yeah, that's pretty much it, um, just loosely explained how, how shit's going, and just how much China are just saying, like I said at the start, like, they're simply just saying, fuck it, let's just, let's just do it, <laughs> let's just, let's just, let's just, um, let's just take them over, let's, let's just do it now, like, um, and the UK just crumbled on them, of course, because uh, you know, it, as much as as much as the UK government would love for you to think um, their their power, you know, on, on the geopolitical stage is just crumbling right now. It's crumbling, like in Europe, crumbling in the rest of the world, crum crumbling in Africa, crumbling. I saw an article the other day which I easily could have talked about today. Um, it was like, um, uh, you know, African leaders in certain, you know, countries of note, um, are just seeing the Windrush scandal here and they're going, well, why would we fuck with you if you can't even, you know, sort out your own problems as it pertains to your, um, as it pertains to black British citizens? You know what I mean? How, wh why? I mean, it's logical. Why would you? If you're in Africa, if you're an African government and, uh, you, and you want to, I don't know, do a trade deal with UK... Why would you want to if they can't even hook up uh, black British people and give them, you know, and treat and treat them with respect? Especially the ones that came here, you know, 60, 70, 80 years ago. 
you know what I mean it's just a joke so I can I can completely see where that come where that comes from and you know it's not just this it's it's everywhere man like why would what, UK's crumbling um they they can say all they want to you know places like Saudi Arabia and China and stuff like this and going oh this is wrong but you know they they just they just it's chest puffing it's chest puffing man and and what you know what they all they have to do is just get a pin and pop that chest and then it all deflates that's literally it simply put you know and obviously very very simply put you know I, I do urge you guys to you know educate yourself on that kind of stuff um, because the way they see the way other countries see us now is just silly it's just it's it's nothing no it's it's a non-factor nearly um in most cases but um, yeah man <sighs> big ups to hong kong man because um they're just they're just going through it right now and um you you think um you think protests in uh you know uk or the us have gone on for a while go look at hong kong man they've been doing this shit for over a year um and obviously this is I'm afraid it might be, you know, curtains in that fashion, because China could just throw in more troops and more troops and more troops and you know just and just suffocate them. So um, yeah, man, it's a it's a it's a, it's a sad day to be um, a Hong Kong uh, a Hong Konger that um, you know values you know democratic freedoms um, and not um, Chinese. Um, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, uh, 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 pick your words to be honest because I'd rather not but um, <laughs> yeah man it's crazy it really is crazy so we hopped on to sport and uh, this is a sports topic that has been a long time coming a long, 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 long time coming. Um, the Washington football team have uh, finally, are finally going to change their name. Um, for those that don't know, um, their former name, and this is the only time I'll say it, um, was uh, the Washington Redskins. And uh, their logo was literally an American Indian, um, or Native American, as um, is the PC way of saying it. But, um, you know, I've, 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 I've looked it up and, you know, you can say Indian and I'm not saying it in a derogatory term, um, but, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, yeah, if you if you look at their logo, you completely get it. Um, just the name, obviously the name itself is, you know, a, a statute enough to remove, remove the name and change the name, but the logo is just as probably even worse, to be honest. Uh, but, yeah, they're finally going to change the name. But it's not for the moral reasons that you think as it pertains to, you know, um, stuff like... Uh, you know, Aunt Jemima, Quaker Oats, uh, Lady A, or Lady Antebellum uh, is what they used to be named. Um, they, obviously, they them guys changed their names uh, respectively. You know, Dixie Chicks is now uh, Dixie, I think. Yeah, Dixie. Um, you know, they changed the name just to, uh, for, for moral reasons. You know? uh, whether you give them credit for doing it or not is up to you. Uh, but trust me, when we get into this article right here, uh, which is uh, Money Beat Morality, Enforcing Washington's NFL Team to Change Its Name by William C. Roden and Undefeated. Well, the title kind of says it was, isn't it? It's, it's about money. <laughs> it's about money. Sorry, I'm adjusting my seat. Um, yeah, so it's just O'Brien, why not? Uh, seven years after saying he would never change this team's racist nickname, Dan Snyder, owner of the Washington NFL team, 
admitted defeat. On Monday, Snyder said the team was retiring, quote-unquote retiring, the franchise's racist nickname and logo, replacing them with the nickname and logo to be determined at a later date. On July 1st, I wrote a column calling for Snyder to stop receiving a pass from corporations, including the NFL, that proclaimed Black Lives Matter on one hand, but on the other hand had let Snyder off the hook. Two days later, Snyder's impenetrable, uh, so he thought, billionaire's bunker was overrun by corporate threats. FedEx, a major sponsor that owns the naming rights for the team stadium, publicly requested that Snyder change the team's name. FedEx sent a letter to the Washington, Washington team, threatening to remove his signage from the stadium after the 2020 season if the name wasn't changed. The change would have cost the team uh, nearly $45 million in lost revenue. Nike stopped marketing the Washington's team merchandise on its website. In short order, sponsors Pepsi and Bank of America called for the name change. Clearly, Monday's decision was driven by money, not morality, about expediency, not a change of heart. For years, Snyder ignored, uh, ignored morality-based calls for change. Only when his financial interest was threatened did he capitulate. That's okay. In this current cultural, uh, cultural and political battlefield where morality is in short supply, a win is a win is a win, regardless of how it's achieved. Gains forced by external, external, externalities, externalities. Yeah, externalities. That's a really weird way. Of, that's a really weird. I know that's the correct way of saying it. It's just weird saying it. I've never actually said it. Externalities. Uh, in this case, the threat of lost sponsors will endure. The Washington team's wretched nickname is not coming back. If this moral, if his moral compass had been straight on, he would have uh, proactively done something about this, said the Reverend Philip Jackson, priest in charge at Trinity Church Wall Street in New York. There's a church in Wall Street? Crazy. Uh, Jackson cited the lesson Jesus was trying to teach in his sermon on the Mount and uh, on the Mount about the importance of goodness coming from our soul. Quote, the things we do spring up from inside of us, Jackson said. What that man and what so many of us do, what our culture does, is tie, be- is tie right behaviour to externalities. In most of our cases, it's money. Unquote. Yes, a win is a win, but it would have been great had Snyder made a moral decision years ago. Sure it matters, Jackson said. If it really was coming from this man's heart, his insides, uh, he would have also started thinking about how he treats his players. He would also start think- uh, would also start thinking about how he treats treats the people who work in the stadium. He would think about all of that, if it was coming from his insides. Then it starts becoming a total question, a, way, a total way of looking at the world, not just a reactive response to him getting put in a vice by his sponsors, unquote. Snyder is not, not the only entity caught in a money morality vice. The NBA is caught in one as well. The world's supposedly most enlightened league gave players permission to put slogans on the back of their jerseys, except uh, no criticism of China, no criticism of the police. The NBA uh, and several players, it's funny how he talks about China just, you know, afterwards, uh, just before, it's funny. Uh, The NBA and several players have significant business entanglements. (laughs) Uh, I know guys, Will and Jade, I know. Uh, With China, uh, law enforcement has a large presence in the league as well. Where does morality stop and money interest take over? LA Lakers star LeBron James, to his credit, said he would skip sewing a slogan on the back of his jersey and use his own name. Presumably, James believes his actions will speak louder than a league-sanctioned slogan. Fair enough. Uh, In the NFL, 
there's a if there's a season, players will be allowed to kneel collectively before the playing of the national anthem on opening day, and lift every voice and sing. The black national anthem will be played before the first game of the season. These are concessions designed to keep the league's majority black players happy and its majority white fans from tuning out. In the NBA's case, money compelled the league to place boundaries on protests. In the NFL, money forced the compromise. So let's save a so let's save a Monday's victory, enjoy the moment, uh, then move on to the next monument to racism. There are plenty: the Braves in Atlanta, the Indians in Cleveland, and the silly tomahawk chop in too many places to recall. In Snyder's case, uh, in Snyder's case, money, not morality, forced the name change. In a society such as the United States, where money is absolutely the highest value, and where money determines mor- morality, the strategy for forcing changes to hit corporations in the wallet. In due time, the corporation or an owner like Snyder might come to appreciate the moral residue of a may of a move made out of financial concerns. Quote. He may find out that in fact his team does better, so who cares, Jackson said, referring to Snyder. If his motivation is creepy and petty, forced because of the pressure, fine, I'll take it. Let God change his heart, that's God's job, unquote. In each case, the teams will only make a move if financial pressure is applied, and that's fine. In the past, I believe one should be driven to do the right thing out of a sense of morality. In a money-first society... Take the wins as they come. Snyder's rose to Damascus was brought about by fleeing sponsors, not a moral tug. Uh, if that's what it took to pressure him to do the right thing, Jackson said, that's unfortunate for him. Unfortunate that he didn't have that inside of him and had to be pressured like that. But that's okay, he added. We'll take it. At least now our native brothers and sisters don't have to see that racist name anymore. Morality be damned. A win is a win is a win. I just find it interesting, you know, in this whole conversation about, you know, the morality money conversation and, you know, that's kind of the case for, uh, that's that's kind of the scale that we judge things by as it pertains to all of these things changing, you know. Um, do you, do you, obviously the Black Lives Matter on uh, Premier League kits, right? That's cool, you know, they do the kneel before the game, cool. Um, that's not a money decision, right? That's a morality decision. But I don't know. I, I people will people are, are people football fans getting pissed off about that? Probably. I don't know. I don't really try and um, associate myself with uh, football fans as much these days. But um, it's it's kind of interesting. But in this case of just how blatant it was that he literally capitulated over losing some money is just a I don't know it's such a uh, it's such an empty way to live you know what I mean and that's his life he's cool he's got billions he's fine shout out to Dan Snyder swim in your money bro swim swim in your money but uh, it just leaves a bad taste on my mouth every time this happens where it's just like you know you can't accept it as a win but you can't help but just see this is just shitty like, can you, could you just, like, why, why not fucking change it, bro? Like, what is your problem? Like, what, like, mentally, what is your problem? Like, why can't you just change the fucking name and logo, man? Just, can you not understand how offensive that shit is? Like, just, 
Oh boy, and there's also one about um, the Texas Rangers, which um, I didn't read, but I went past it. Um, I went, I went past like a quote, someone quote tweeted some of it, and it was kind of fascinating. And I wish I read it, but um, yeah, there's one, there's that as well. Apparently, there's history behind that as well. So you know, it doesn't even have to be about the name; it could just be about the stuff behind it. Um, the Golden State Warriors, when they initially began as a, as an, I think an NBA team, um, they had like a, they had like some. Um, Native American imagery at the start, and you know I'm not saying change the warrior's name, but you know it's something to note. Um, but yeah, man, I, I don't know. It, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. Just the fact that it's so blatantly about money. It's just like why, why, why? And I know why, but it, it's just shit that this, this all of this stuff has to happen um, mainly because of money. Like, ne- never, never because of morality. And you know what? We'll just jump right into um, the next topic um, because that really has a lot to do, um, in some sense, more morality. So, um, yeah, let's jump right into that one. So this is a second life topic, and um, this is um, about. <laughs> Sorry, guys, Black British history in uh, teaching in schools again. Um, I just had to. I just. I just read this, and I had to talk about it because um, it has. Uh, it has some good uh, statistics and um, just some. Yeah, just some great info on on everything going on as it pertains to that. And I keep saying as it pertains because I just really love that word. Uh, that love that for saying that phrase, but um, yeah, get over it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is kind of a morality thing as well. Like you just, 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 just teach fucking black shit, bro. Just, just do it. Just, just do it. What is your problem? Like it will actually, he- it will actually really help. You know, the f- our future as a as a society. It will genuinely help our future. You know, but for some reason, there's a, there's a and it says in, it says in the title, Black British history, the row over the school curriculum in England. Why the fuck is this a row? What, why are you against this? Like, give me a genuine reason why you'd be against teaching about, I don't know, the Black Tudors, for example. Like, why, why, why are you so against that? Like, why would anybody be against that? What is your problem? So your kid comes home from school, you ask him, what did you learn today? Uh, Timmy? Oh, we learned about Black Tudors. What? What? I'm I'm marching down to that school right now. Like, what, what what? There's no logic. There's no logic. But let's just jump right in. Um, this is by Anna Leach, Antonio uh, Voce or Voce Voce. Sorry if I uh, mispronounce. And Ashley Kirk of the Guardian. So let's just jump right in because um, I just want to, I just want to get some clarity on all of this because I'm I'm just confused. How is this a route? How is this a route? Like, what's the route about? What? Who's who's on the arguing side of this? Um, anyway. In Britain, one focus of the Black Lives Matter movement has been how we tell the history of the country. Damn straight. Uh, beyond the protests about statues, young people have been campaigning uh, about ge- against changes to the national curriculum in England made in 2014. When then, when the then Education Secretary Michael Gove, fuck me that I remember that, jeez, that guy pissed me the fuck off. I still want to hit him. I still want to swing on him. I see if I actually ever see him in life. But... Blah. Uh, announced that he wanted to refo- refocus the teaching of history in schools, quote-unquote, 
to celebrate the distinguished role of these islands in the history of the world, unquote. He removed the curriculum's explicit focus on racial ethnic diversity, particularly within Britain. Of course, he fucking did. Absolute prick. Um, though some of his more extreme ideas were dropped. Extreme ideas? Oh, I, oh, I need to get, get into those uh, later. Uh, after opposition from teachers and academics, his changes meant the teaching of black history became optional. This has led to uh, black people being almost entirely written out of the version of British history taught in schools, says uh, Lavinia Stennett, the founder of the Black Curriculum. Talked about those in my return to What's Good. Please donate to those guys. An education uh, social enterprise that delivers black black British history in schools. GCSE exam data collated by The Guardian shows that although schools are permitted to teach black history, as well as the history of people outside of Europe and the US, few of them do. Up to 11% of GCSE students are studying modules that refer to black people's contribution to Britain, and less than 1 in 10 are studying a module in a f- uh, with a focus on empire, despite this uh, being a significant feature of the last 400 years of British history. This finding is backed by a survey of 50,000 people that explores the history, of participant, uh, history participants uh, learned at school. Of the 59 GCSE history modules available from the three three biggest exam boards, Edexcel, AQA and OCR, 12 explicitly mention black history. Only five mention the history of black people in Britain, the rest are about black people in the US, other countries or the transatlantic slave trade. Of the five that cover black history in Britain, three include migration, one deals with empire in the 17th and 18th century, and one mentions race relations in post-war Britain in a thematic study of power over an uh, 850-year period. Uh, This means up to 11%, approximately 28,412 of GCSE students in 2019 were studying modules that made uh, any reference uh, to the contribution of black people in British history. 28,412 out of how many uh, how many uh, GCSE students there are per year silly um, no modules in modules in the GCSE syllabus for the most popular exam board at Excel mention black people in Britain yet there have been black people in Britain since at least the Romans arrived as well as black communities of sorts in the 1500s as David Olisoga shout to him uh, chronicles in his book uh uh, black and British, which I have got on my wish list on Audible. I will get that someday, and I will get right into that at some point, hopefully. Um, they include a trumpeter in Henry VIII's court who wrote to the king asking for a pay rise, uh, seamen at the Battle of Trafalgar, and soldiers fighting for Britain in both world wars. And of course, white British people have been in Africa, running transatlantic slave trade to the Caribbean, the US, and occupying the likes of modern-day Nigeria, and Kenya, and Egypt, and South Africa. Uh, exposed person for Edexcel's parent company Pearson said that they are planning to introduce a module about migration in Britain that will cover Black British history, <sighs> that, uh, and other and and that work on this uh, will be accelerated in light of recent events. They said that diversity inclusiveness quote is an absolute priority for us, and we've worked hard to ensure that our history GC- GCSE qualification covers a wide a range of cultures and countries. Uh, we always encourage feedback and take action on where it po- on it where possible. Unquote. Okay, so this is strictly talking about GCSEs, right? And while I am completely fine with you know, um, with 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 that start, 
I'm sorry, that's still not enough. Because history as a GCSE subject is optional. Alright? You, you, you can choose to do that. And then you can choose, I'm, I'm assuming, what module you can do. Or if, or if not, I highly doubt that most schools will just pick the black history one. Like, what, why, why, why would they, unless, you know, they have some, you know, diversity in the teaching ranks. But, um, it, it, there's a lot of, there's a lot of maybes here for me. Um, it, it's fine having GCSEs, but that's just not enough. For me personally, it's just not enough. This shit needs to be taught, in my mind, primary school. Pr- primary school, Right? Because if you start there, and you and I'm not saying I'm not saying right, and you know just just to say I'm not saying teach Black History in every lesson, right? I'm not not saying that, right? I'm saying just introduce it, just 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 you know drip 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 drip, just just drip a little bit in there, just just, just a little bit, you know, quite fifty cents, just a little bit, you know, just just a little bit of it. I'm not saying completely overhaul the curriculum and teach black history every moment you can get. No, 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 of course not. But it needs to be there in in a prominent fashion. And not even just black history. South Asian history as well. Because there are plenty South Asians in the UK as well. Shout out to my South Asians, right? Because I think that history is really lost. Really lost on us, especially, um, uh, especially, um, especially when it comes to you know the East India Company and stuff like that. You know that that shit is completely lost sometimes, and uh, it, it's also worth talking about because there is a there is a, a a significant population of UK citizens that have South Asian descent as well, right? Not it's not just Black people as well. It's not just Black Caribbean, African, um, African as well. It's, it's also South Asian as well, Indian, Pakistan, Bangladesh. Um, uh, 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 I've gone blank on countries, but you know, you, you know, what I'm you know what I'm talking about that South Asia, right? Um, Sri Lanka, you know, stuff like that, right? It's all relevant, and I think that stuff should be taught, you know, as as soon as possible. You know, there's some, there's some. Some families don't eat. Some families, even if they are a black family, African family, Caribbean family, uh, mixed heritage family, uh, South Asian family, sometimes they don't even teach that stuff in their own homes. You know, they might have iconography uh, around the around around the home. You know, stuff like that. And you know, you can be brought up in that kind of uh, ecosystem. Um, you know, in, in family life, but explicitly taught about. You know, stuff like the East India Company, or just, you know, Black Tudors and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know if there's that many families that actively do that for their children. And if that's not the case, it needs to be there in the public school system. So, you know, while I, while there's so much, while that whole article talks about GCSE, right? And obviously that needs that's a great start. That's a great start. Right? It's a great start to have it there. It needs to go further than that. It needs to be in f- the first three years of high school. And it needs to be there in primary school as well. In a in a in a uh, 
like a drip drip kind of um, way. You know, it's, it, it needs to be there for me personally. That's how I how I see things, um, and and the benefits of those can be exponential. Can be exponential. The more we understand each other and our own heritages, um, own own specific heritage. You know, I don't I don't know nothing about um, uh, Judaism. I don't I don't I don't know about Judaism. Um, I could have easily talked about the Deshaun Jackson um, uh, anti-Semitism uh, stuff, but I just don't feel educated on that front. I I really don't. I know it's wrong, but I don't know anything past that. I I don't I don't really. <laughs> I'm not educated on that stuff. Uh, I'm not educated on anything South Asian. You know, I I know South Asians. I I know a couple. You know, and they're all great. Love them. I love them all. Um, but I don't know, I don't know their backgrounds, you know, in that, in that case, and I'm not asking them to teach me, just so a white people asking other, you know, uh, asking black, asking black people to teach them about racism, it's like, no, that's not our job, unless we're like teachers and stuff like that, but that's not our job, you need to do that for yourself, and you know, I guess in my, in my case, I have to look up that stuff myself, um, you know, in, term, in terms of keeping myself to that kind of standard, but, um, the, the only difference is, I don't hate Jew- Jewish people. I don't hate South Asians. <laughs> That's the problem. Uh, you know. So when white people don't understand, you know, black culture or um, South Asian culture, they're just brought up on whatever their parents think of them. And sometimes it's very negative. Or they don't even know it's negative. And they just think, oh, oh it's banter. Oh, we just grew up with that kind of stuff, you know? You know, my, my, my oh, I was going to get into something, but I'm, I'm just going to stop there because uh, <laughs> we don't have all day. But um, yeah, man, it's a great start. You know, I guess um, it's not ideal, um, but uh, it's 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 a long road, and um, hopefully, and uh, you know, I'll try, I'll try and keep you guys posted on that front as it pertains to that because um, you know, that's my that's my lane, that's my lane um, in trying to this why I believe in terms of teaching. If you if you teach us. If we teach ourselves as adults and we teach our children in our schools about this kind of stuff, then, you know, they'll understand much better about each other. And, you know, that will potentially make you know race relations and other stuff pertaining to that much better in my mind. That's just how I think about it. So it's a start, I guess. So we finish up with uh, <coughs> music, and uh, this is a this is this is a perfect article for what I wanted to talk about. A perfect article, because uh, so this is by um, Andre G, uh, and this is via his own I think uh, uh, Substack page, uh, More Fire, and uh, it's about DJ academics. So for those that don't know, DJ academics, uh, or as I call him, DJ Fuckademics, because uh, he's a dickhead. And uh, you'll gather by you know this uh, particular arc, uh, this particular piece, and um, yeah, he's a he's a host. He, he does commentary, you know, on hip hop, but um, it's very 
he's very divisive because he's a dipshit and uh, yeah that's this I'm explaining terribly because he's I just don't care about him at all I just don't he's just a, he's just scum on my shoe to be honest but um yeah this this cycle completely just just perfectly places it nicely um and it's very timely because um he's recently uh, gone off on people like Guap Dad 4000, Freddie Gibbs, obviously, um, and uh, also Chrissy Teigen, which actually uh, got him suspended uh, off his uh, co-host show, uh, uh, show that he co-hosts Everyday Struggle on YouTube, or Complex's YouTube, and, uh, and other stuff as well. I think Twitch ditched him as well. Um, so, yeah, let's just get into this. This is uh, DJ Academics, Ringmaster for White Voyeurs of Black Culture. So let's just jump right in because uh, it's, a, it's a lengthy piece, um, but it's a very worthy piece, and uh, it's just something that I've been oh, just—I just needed something like this just to just to really stoke my fire and uh, give me some good words on it. The black people who call to cancel DJ Academics don't realize that we weren't the group uh, he exploited to legitimacy. He admitted in April that. Quote, I got my come up from unknown Chirac rappers and covering mumble rappers who were teenagers in 2014 to 17, unquote. The core fan base for those so-called mumble rappers and the spectators of drill rap violence are the young white suburbanites who Complex wanted to tap into when they hired him uh, to be an everyday struggle co-host on 2017. Since hip-hop's early 90s commercial explosion, the genre has fascinated sheltered white fans who enjoyed the vicious... Viserius? 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 Yeah, Viserius, I think. Ugh, I don't know. <laughs> Thrill of hearing about black communities that they, uh, they, they had no familiarity with. Pages like YouTube, Chicago World News, and Reddit's Chiracology, uh, veritable gang violence wikis, have made it easier for this generation to get their uh, spectorial fix. Academics, as media veteran star... Uh, called him uh, is the P.T. Barnum of the circus, narrating hip-hop drama for white teens who don't see their favourite artists as humans, but characters in a live-action saga. Oh, so facts. Oh, my God. Oh, my days. Uh, Corporations like Complex have sought to capitalise on that audience, demonstrating their disregard for black people by ignoring his past commentary in the name of views. In that transaction... They allowed him to ride his core base of cultural outsiders to become a cult- uh, to become a cultural voice. Academics won those fans via his uh, the War in Chirac YouTube channel, where he called Chicago a quote unquote cesspool of coons that live and breathe like cockroaches, and advocated for gentrification because the young black people lost in the gang epidemic aren't humans quote unquote. He He's also contended that, quote, you can't tell me the difference between Chirac terrorists and the ISIS terrorist group, unquote. How's this dude not been shot? My God. Uh, in another video from the YouTube page, which currently has uh, 3, 378,000 subscribers, despite the last video being posted in January 2017. The 29-year-old has uh, tried to frame the page as satire in the past, but there isn't much satirical flair to him punching down on the black subjects of his videos as coons and savages, or commending the city's gun violence with the nearsighted punditry of a Breitbart commentator. Over the past five years, he's, pivot- he's pivoted to general hip-hop media coverage, become a leader of today's sensationalists. Um, what's up with these words, man? Ephe- ephemeral? Ephemeral, that's it, yeah, yeah. It's spelt weirdly, but I know it's ephemeral, and I've heard ephemeral before, i just never seen it spelt like that. Ephemeral. Uh, hip-hop media experience with Instagram and YouTube pages boasting millions of followers. 
DJ Vlad, FBI, and Adam22 of No Jumper, two white men, are seemingly controversial rap media figures. Like academics, they have bizarre fixation with artists off the mic violence and nihilism, but unlike academics, they operate primarily as interview platforms, shying away from inflammatory commentary or direct conflicts with artists. Academics is a more caustic uh, a pr- a presence than both, but they both equally suck. Just saying. That's just me. It's true that people are uh, mature and unlearn, but the war in Chirac videos are still online. He displays remnants of that conservative lens to this day on his live streams and complexes everyday struggle, making him one of the culture's most reviled figures. He was recently in the war of words with rappers Freddie Gibbs and Meek Mill, the latter of whom he claims got, got him fired from Complex and banned from Twitch, but it's likely that academics are castedly trolling in order to drive home how futile Meek's cancel campaign was. He's not the first rapper to call ac- academics out. Vic Mensa spoke for many Chicagoans when in 2017 he called him a bitch for the War Report channel. Uh, my son said uh, has said that academics is no good and he's doing the devil's work by perpetuating negativity. The late Nipsey Hussle called out academics instigating tactics multiple times. In 2018, he rightfully concluded that you got companies like Complex that add gas to them sparks for their own interest and that they uh, and then they sell advertising space and I don't like that shit. I'm clear on what the motto is. The motto is anything for a dollar, the Tao of capitalism. Meek should consider his late friend's perspective while he's calling for academics to be cancelled, even if he is in fact fired by Complex and banned by Twitch, who recently suspended him for a spate of drunken tirades. Someone will assume his position because the current market dictates it. Meek is complicit in sustaining that environment through his paper chase. Unabashed capitalists like Meek want to make as much money as possible, but don't want to acknowledge that their covetous uh, pursuit necessitates patronising consumers who engage with them as mere comic book characters. All that is facts. All that is facts. Mm-mm-mm. That's a word. Academics is a feedback loop for a suburban fan base that doesn't see the humanity of black eyes. The pop culture has fed sheltered white teens their limited scope of blackness, and he contributed to the fragmentation by framing Chicago as a lawless badland of coons and savages, even referring to a nine-year-old Antonio Smith who was murdered in 2014 as a, quote, mini-pack, uh, which is an op-pack in Chicago parlance for a deceased enemy. Uh, academics has broadened his editorial scope, but he's resolved to predominantly cover conflict, pleasing a fan base of teenagers, learning to perceive black culture as a as vapidity, yeah, vapidity and uh, adversarial entertainment. Neither these kids nor academics seem to care about the, the survivors of their faves' abuses. Six Nine was filled fondling a 13-year-old black girl, but fans still speculate his antics. Trippy Red pistol whipped a woman in 28 June 2018, but he's still a favourite of academics' fan base, known as chat niggers, even if so many of them are non-black. Fuck me, that. Jeez, that's pissed me off. I didn't even know that. <sighs> That's just really stopped me in my tracks of how annoying that is, because I get—I I guarantee you there's just like a ton of white boys just saying the N-word on that shit. Fuck sake. Kodak Black has an upcoming rape trial, but that's never affected academics' coverage or how his fans view him. To this day, Exxon stands harassed the young woman that he brutally assaulted because she had the audacity to hold the hero, their hero accountable. Academics himself was accused by his ex-girlfriend of abusing her. Complex did nothing about those allegations. But he was recently suspended from everyday struggle for two days. Oh, only two days? Uh, for calling Chrissy Teigen the B-word 
multiple times. Curiously, the outlet did nothing when he called Scissor an Amazon bitch in 2017. Fuck me, man. Uh, see, see, this is why I don't fuck with him in any sort of way, and every time someone mentions him, I just tune out, because, like, just a shit like this. This is just toxic bot. Ah, oh, just toxic shit. Toxic shit. It's, it's fucking disgusting. Anyway, continuing on. Try not to just go off go off here, because um, there's so much of it, and I want to read it all, because it's just so poignant. Uh, but it keeps derailing me, and just how pissed off I get. But anyway, take a breath. It was abuse that initially connected academics and 6ix9ine. The media personality was, on, was the only person willing to interview 6ix9ine about his sexual abuse allegation in 2017. The two became fast friends after that interview. Even after Jezebel exposed that the documented details of that case contradict 6ix9ine's interview statements, academics continued to stay on the lucrative 6ix9ine beat. He became the chief narrator of 6ix9ine's year-long antagonizing of Black Eyes in 2018, he giddily posted about all of Brooklyn, all of the Brooklyn rappers' conflicts, even the one that could have wound up with someone incarcerated or dead. He stirred the pot in the conflict between Six Nine and Chief Keith, which culminated in Six Nine putting a hit on Chief on, on Keith, which thankfully failed. After Six Nine and some of the Nine Trade Bloods he associated with were charged in the 2018 Rico case, it became clear that they all that all along they were willing and ready to solve Six uh, Nine's conflicts with gun violence. Academics uh, gained his visibility by wagging his finger at violence, but he sustained his fame by instigating it. And while one could propose that academics is simply fulfilling a civic duty of reporting the news, it's worth questioning who's watching him and why. Why is the material value of knowing about an artist posting guns on Instagram, or two artists threatening each other on Twitter? Do these developments edify or characterise? Who does sensational uh, news bites serve beyond corporations who cash in on ad revenue and voyeuristic fans ogling artists uh, giving them bonus content outside of uh, of outside the booth menace? Six nine, like academics, was a di was diabolical enough to exploit that fan base with his violent music and antagonistic social media presence. His proximity to actual bloods made him a hero to the kids who could star in a Malibu's Most Wanted reality show, and even when uh, he snitched, they didn't care, because it's all a charade to them anyway. When artists go platinum, or accrue hundreds of millions of uh, streams on a video, they're being supported in part by this cohort of fans. It's hard to achieve mass appeal without, support, without them. Uh, while previous generations weren't privy to how suburbia engaged their work, academics has corralled all of them in one place, projecting their interests in a digital wasteland. When celebrities call to cancel him, they, re they really mean that they want to detach their consciousness from the reality that some of their fans view them as jesters instead of geniuses. Hip-hop gatekeepers are long gone from mainstream hip-hop. Corporation, corporations control the circus, and massive metrics are the price of admission. DJ Academics is a Trojan horse representing the interests of suburban teens enamored with black culture. Despite being the self-hating coon that he, uh, that he projected upon Chicago youth, Complex saw fit to make him a voice of the culture, a lasting indictment of their journalistic credibility. His legacy is the nexus of white curiosity, gun violence, and the cult of celebrity, all exploited by capitalism in a 24-hour news cycle. So many of his followers, like him, grew up as basement-dwelling Davids, but collectively, they're Goliath, and it may be too late for anyone to get rid of him.
So that's the entire article, and I felt it was necessary to read all of it, because, um, I mean, just, I mean, did you not just hear all that garbage? Like, that's just, like, I've, I, I've actually, you know, been thinking about this, um, especially since 6 9 came out, of, uh, of, uh, well, went into how, uh, home arrest, and, um, was obviously allowed to drop tracks and obviously went number one and obviously a couple of weeks ago I mentioned another Andre G article talking about 6 9 and uh, and Nicki Minaj and how you know stands don't give a fuck um it's the it's the same thing it's the same thing and I and I as a hip-hop purist I guess um you know I'm, I'm kind of I'm very you know I'm, I'm very uh, in that lane of um you know, obviously, five elements and stuff like that, and you know, educating yourself as well as, you know, as well as um, admiring the music and stuff like that, and and uh, seeing it for what it is, and trying not to um, get enamoured with the celebrity aspect or the um, or the entertainment aspect, unless you're a show, I guess. I really try to avoid that kind of shit, but. It's clear that that sh- that garbage is just rife. It's it's rife, and luckily I don't know those people, um, and I don't affiliate myself with any of those people. And honestly, if you guys are one of those people, please please tell me, please tell me so I can block you. I'm dead serious. Please tell me so I can block you. Um, I'm I'm not into that at all. Not into that at all. Um, but it's kind of depressing. Uh, thinking about academics as a as a person, and you know, knowing all of that, I, I knew about the Chirac uh, stuff. Um, I didn't know he called Scissor an Amazon bitch, which is um, just pure self hatred in his own right. Because that's just, have you seen Scissor? Oh my gosh! Like, how can you even? How can, how can you not? Oh wow! That's I mean, that's just me. I have the beholder, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But geez, man. You got a problem if you don't think this is fine as hell, but anyway, um, that's obviously not the point. But still, it's just um, is it's left me with a bad taste in my mouth um, reading that. But it is a necessary um, conversation to have um, as hip hop fans. Uh, if you are one of those, uh, you need to you need to adjust yourself and not dip into this garbage, you know, Shade Room, you know, all that stuff, that's, that's, that's the same stuff, it's, just, it's the exact same thing, it really is the exact same thing, uh, the, only, the only difference is, is that Academics is one person and the Shade Room is obviously several people, it's obviously a team of people and you only see the Shade Room, you don't see, you know, this person who wrote the article or, you know, who, whoever posted that Instagram post, you know what I mean, um, but, yeah, the fact that corporations have allowed academics to have a career and given him a platform is enough for me. Um, it's enough for me to know that corporations don't give a fuck um, about hip-hop artists in general, about hip-hop culture. I feel like if you're a respecting hip-hop fan, you do not fuck with Complex or any um, publication that allows this kind of bollocks. Um, there may be none of them left, to be honest. I don't know, uh, maybe they all do it, who knows, but um, yeah, that's just lengthy with a absolute bad taste in my mouth, 
Um, so fuck ap- fuck academics all day every day. Um, I I I really hope he just puts his foot on it in one in uh, and if he hasn't already because clearly he should have you know from day one but people have allowed him. Um, so hopefully he continues this um, uh, descent of bullshit. And, uh, you know, he stays in the cesspools of Twitch and Instagram and Twitter where I can never see him again. And uh, hopefully, you know, this is all wishful thinking. I'm I'm saying this just to say it, but I really don't believe it. Um, you know, considering the fact that uh, 6 9 can go number one, does anything else matter? Probably not. And I'm just going to leave on that very nihilistic note because... Um, what else? What else can I possibly say? Like, there's no it, it, it being it being you know intellectual about this is just pointless. Um, this is just something that's ran away with you know as a as a um, as a mixture of hip hop commercial commercialization and social media. They've both made this complete cesspool of a of a of, a, of an environment. And academics is king of that shit heap. And I don't know if there's anything that can be done about that. Um, apart from just continuing on and not taking note of it. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, and, then on that, and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, from the Fifth and Podcast Network, I'm Chaito and it's been what's good. Intro music has been Too Much by Vanilla. Instantly music has been visited by Poldor. You can find both of their tunes. And all of their uh, discographies in the band cam links in the full show notes. Shout out to Child Breakers for the ability to use these songs. You can also find their entire um, uh, discography in the band cam links in the full show notes below. And yeah. Hip Hop Ain't Dead. I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm sounding very nihilistic now, but I will find a way to uh, make, make, make hip hop positive in, in, in some way to myself um you can do it to yourself to your guys as well but yeah. anyway i hope you all have a good week i should always try and do the same but until the next time take it easy thanks and enjoy